Sometimes you need a vacation. Time to rethink who you are. Just get away from it all. Rethink the podcasts you want to intro. But hey sometimes these Star Trek shows are pretty good. Who wants to miss out? So here I am. But then I come back for this. I just don't have the words. Why do I do this shit? Oh, fuck it. It's time to ask what happened here. Hello, and welcome to the Rules of Acquisition, a podcast where we are going through every episode, every single one of Star Trek Deep Space Nine, all the episodes, all the good ones, all the the bad ones. All the good ones. All, all the good ones. Um, yes. <laughs> when you watch an episode like this, you just realize, like, uh, why can't Discovery be more like this episode? <laughs> oh, <laughs> just kidding. Oh, is that, is that what you came uh, back with? Oh, okay. Uh, I think, I don't know, I think Discovery has a lot in common with this episode. You're not wrong. <laughs> in ways that you, not, that you might not expect. Uh, anyways, <laughs> with me, as always, is... James Nolan. Hey, guys. And Hugh Crawford. Good evening. And my name is Wade Bowen. Yes. We're talking about what? The Muse? Is that correct? That is correct. This is episode 20 of season four. It originally aired on April 29th, 1996. And here is the IMDb description. A mysterious woman approaches Jake about his future as a writer. Odo promises to do whatever it takes to help Luxwana Troy keep her baby over the father's wishes, even if it means marrying her himself. <laughs> dum, dum, dum. Um, this is this is the, the uh, a plot B plot. This is the one when we agreed to do when the three of us decided to do the rules of acquisition way back when. Mm-hmm. This was my only the only little bump. For, for doing this whole podcast was this episode is that I would have to watch this episode again. This is the most, this is, this is my least favorite probably hour of television, not just Star Trek or Deep Space Nine. This might be my least favorite hour of television ever. This one's, yeah, this is, I mean, I don't know if this is on the record of being everybody's opinion of the worst episode of Star Trek Deep Space Nine, that might go to move along home or maybe profit Fast. and lace, which we Pro- haven't gotten to. Yeah. But everybody agrees that this one ain't the best. This one <laughs> sticks out my mind the most though. Like yeah. profit and lace might be bad, but I don't, I can't, when you tell me the mute. Profit and lace is pretty gross. <laughs> it's gross, but is it as bad? Well, I don't know. We'll, we'll, we'll see when we get to it. That's a later. <laughs> this, this episode gets so much wrong. This, okay. So for right off the bat, we've got Jake on, on the promenade watching people come onto the station mm-hmm. and he's making up little writerly stories about, You're right. Well, about each person that comes on. Yeah. You said before a plot and B plot, like I don't, well, this one's such a, like one that two plots, Whichever one's A and which one's B aren't necessarily the best ones. I would say I would say the Jake is the A plot. It feels like that's one that they spent all the time well, on. Well, yeah, this thing it's like they're almost giving them the pacing and every like of this episode is not good. Maybe like the, maybe some of this could be cleared up by how it was created. Okay, yeah, hit it. Okay, yeah. Uh, oh, I saw Majel Barrett had story credit on it. Yes, she did. Okay, so and Renee Echevarria gets the shaft on all the shitty episodes. Absolutely, he's the guy that just like they don't they don't like. Oh, nobody wants to do this one. Just give it to Renee. I actually think that this could have been a good episode if it. I think the Lexwana Troy stuff. There's potential there, but it wasn't realized. Okay, perhaps. Okay, it, maybe but go it ahead. wasn't. Yes. Oh, but if you have a story, James, what you have a story for this? Well, I have like the the sort of the the origin story of it is that Major Barrett had an idea. <laughs> Mm-hmm. And she's the legacy's wife, so they kind of have to listen to her. So sure, sure. So and ship's computer, voice of the computer, yeah. <laughs> a person who's never wrote a television show or pitched a television show, did for her character. Um, and I mean, I don't, I'm not trying to make it. I mean, I'm trying to make her sound like she's like this diva or something. But I mean, like, I think maybe, I mean, it, 
she wasn't in the best of health. Oh yeah. And this was the last time we've ever seen that we ever see her on Star Trek. Yeah. So I think maybe this was like a bon voyage and she wanted to do this story because she had this idea and she was pulling some strings to get it done. And yes, everybody in the writer's room like put like their finger to their nose and said, not it. And Renee Echeverria <laughs> was picking Lind out of his ears and he had to write the story. Yeah. Um, but I mean, he got he, stuck with that. He wrote it a lot. Yeah. He, in this plot is, is that locks that Major Barrett proposed was that she's pregnant and saying that Odo is the father. That was the plot. Odo's the dad. Yeah. Oh. That, and that Odo's like a, like it's a Billy Jean. <laughs> it's a more Povich yeah, like, situation. Right, like, uh, that that does not check out <laughs> No, and for so, so many reasons. Echeverria had to write it over and over again, and it kept getting rejected. And then they had the, I, that's, I think it was Ronald D. Moore had the idea of tacking another story to it. Uh-huh. And then that became the space, they wanted, like, somehow they settled on space vampire. <laughs> And then yeah, Jake gets fucked by mind <laughs> fucked by a space vampire. My Jake gets mind fucked by a space vampire. A space vampire who's like responsible for like some of the greatest art of oh yeah all of, yeah all of hu- like human history. This is an origin story for Catalyst's poetry and Keats too. Yeah. Keats. Oh, the Keats one is the one that I. I had I had thoughts about because oh. yeah I yeah I had but, well I had thoughts about this episode so <laughs> they all went forward with it and they're filming it and they look at it as a chore and while they're watching it being filmed everybody comes to the conclusion like you did wait the space vampire is the far worse story <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh, so and he goes. He goes, why did we write a story where the only action is just two people sitting in a corner? <laughs> it's like, and, and, and they do, and at some point they go, this is the only this is the only kind of writing mistake that a writer could make, where you're writing this, you know, it's like, I can't stand movies about filmmaking. Like, yeah, <laughs> like they got so enamored with themselves. Well, let's do a story. Oh, yeah. What about Boogie Nights? That's about filmmaking. That's about, yeah. yeah. That's about that's a good point. But. And, you know, and, and sometimes we just ask God to forgive us for making that yeah. movie. <laughs> 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 fuck you, Mark, Mark, Mark Wahlberg. Mark fuck you. No, yeah. not, not fuck you, Mark Wahlberg. Fuck you, Marky Mark, because I know how much you hate that. Maybe you want God to forgive you for those underwear ads, too. Yeah, go you're, fuck yourself. you're the one giving Mel Gibson a vehicle this holiday season. <laughs> right. And you're worried uh, about boogie nights? Jesus. Yeah, fuck. he's a fucking, he's, a, right. he's a horrible person. If we had just let him do his fucking job, he would have saved us from 9-11, guys. <laughs> right, good point. I mean, this episode gets so much wrong about how art is made, I guess. Yeah. That mm-hmm. it makes you wonder. It's got no real point of view, actually, about art. It's just a just a horrible, a few, bunch of horrible misconceptions about how a creative person actually lives their life and produces stuff. I don't know what to say about that aspect of it other than that. Well, uh, wouldn't you guys agree that there's like oh God, I, yes. at several at several points I'm just like nope, that's Okay, I'm going to play devil's advocate and defend the idea. <laughs> like, Somebody maybe, should, so it'll fall. Yeah, well, I mean, like just 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 putting it out there this is me playing devil's advocate, okay? So don't hold it against me. But yeah, the idea like, oh, wouldn't it be great if you know, when the animus and the muse strikes you that you could just do it. And it sometimes some writers are like, oh, when I'm in when I'm in the zone, it just pours out of me. And then when I'm not in the zone, I can't do it. But the truth is writing is a craft. You know? Yes. And you just have to sit down and do it. And but this is postulating in a sci fi sense. Oh, and this alien just pulls it out of him and it's like a drug and it takes a toll on you and it can almost kill you. <laughs> but that's. And then at the end of the episode, maybe he learns that no. It made me think at the end of it, like, I wish Ben Sisko were my dad because he does some good fathering in this episode. I guess he's kind of a limp dick when he goes up against the space vampire at the end, though. Yeah. He's, oh, yeah. Get away from her, shoots, and she gets away. She gets away clean. That's the no. thing about this. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. The space vampire no. is going to go off to fuck somebody else up. No, the good dadding I'm talking about is him like just being like, hey, son, you'll get to it later and just being supportive. Sure. But yeah. uh, okay, uh-huh. I get <laughs> it's a, it's a, I mean, don't get me wrong. This is a garbage episode. <laughs> you know what it felt like to me? It felt like a first season 
first six episodes of Babylon 5. Oh, <laughs> yeah. I, I need to watch that. Well. It felt like a Babylon 5 episode, which uh, coincidentally also features space vampires, but not life force space vampires, but like not, not sexy, Napoleon space not vampires. Not sexy titty vampires. <laughs> okay. Um, no, fat Napoleon uh, vampires. When but. you said that it gets, uh, like, all of the stuff that it gets wrong about writing, one of the things that, like, I wasn't with it, but I was giving, I was giving this show my best. You're better than me. <laughs> right. Yeah, and then when she when she unveils the paper oh yeah and i was like what the fuck like, you don't matter what you write on writing is a fucking craft like write on paper it's, like it's some goddamn magical property it's like right. fuck this stupid shit and then that's when i realized that the writer's room were all romantic pricks who are way younger than me at this point in their lives well like, it's like how like i remember re- when we were all big tarantino fans in high school and stuff uh-huh. like oh he wrote all those scripts out on notebooks and then yeah. you do it I, I, you know some, there is something to be said for writing in longhand and then going back to a computer later yeah it's hard <laughs> but sometimes it's it's for a mindset. It sometimes it does get you in that zone. It's, people have different. I think people have different things. Everybody has different paths to how they do it. Yeah, so. but you don't need to be precious about whatever works for you. Works. Yes. You, sh- you don't need to be precious about it. I guess. Exactly. That's the thing. Whatever works, works. Yeah. Yeah. If I could go back, I spent a lot of time romanticizing the the process of writing when I was younger. Yeah. And I wish I could slap myself. It's fucking stupid. Like learn about the, learn how to goddamn write. Don't learn how to be a writer. Learn how to fucking write. Like it's dumb. Like that, that was, uh, that was what I would go tell myself when I was 20. Yeah. This, this episode's not helping anybody. When she did that and said that I was like, Oh, this, this episode is, oh, is the Odo story my port in the storm? And and then when Michael, and then when Michael Ansara came on, I was like, oh, that, that's something to hold on to. I love Michael Ansara. Yeah, Yeah, he was fantastic. Uh, Is he J.L.? Yeah, yeah, he's stuck. He was Kang. Kang. Oh, oh, I knew I knew that guy from somewhere. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he's Kang. And Dr. Freeze. That man. In the anime. And Dr. Batman. Oh, he's, he's more Dr. Freeze than Kang in oh, this. Yeah. That's yeah. for sure. That man, that man <laughs> made sweet, sweet love to Barbara Eden for decades. Personal hero. I didn't think he was that great in this, but uh, but nobody. Oh, I thought he, I think for what he was working with, I thought he was great. <laughs> That's fair yeah. enough. Fair he's enough. Kang. Shut up. <laughs> yeah. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> fuck me. I'm sorry. You're right. <laughs> Wade. Fuck off, Wade. I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. He was Dr. Freeze, too. So, yeah, Bully and Toupees. Oh, 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 that was the other thing. I knew there was something about that first scene I was going to tell you. Those guy, one of those guys walking off the show, and I think it was the bowling. No, it wasn't. It was one of the other aliens. The th- the Bajoran thief is a monk to swindle a Ferengi. Maybe it was an alien race that's never been shown before. Rick Berman held a contest for the fans in Starlog Magazine or something that whoever could design an alien race would get to play that alien race on Deep Space Nine, and one of those guys was that guy. Which guy? Like. A thief, because the there's. A, I watched it after I read it. After I watched, it. there's a thief disguised as a monk to swindle a Ferengi. Crazy shit, isn't it? And then there's a woman alone. There's the three. It might have just been a back. I saw a green headed. It might have been a background. Uh, there was a background alien that I didn't recognize. It was just a. I don't know. I just that's. I read it after I watched it, so I didn't have a confirmation, yeah. visual confirmation. And it just pans past him. But. Yeah. So that was a well, fan who designed that alien ra- won a contest. Good for him. Yeah, that's all I got. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, like, oh, in the podcast, three to beam up, guys. I would hate to be the guy. Because, oh, man, I designed this fan-made contest and I won, and I get to be an episode of Star Trek. And then I get stuck in the muse. <laughs> like, shit. Yeah, that dude, that dude showed this to everybody he knows as a representation <laughs> of Star Trek. He will defend it to this day. There is depths in this episode that no one understands to that guy. <laughs> yeah, I guess we can jump through it. Uh, I don't know. JL, she shows up and, oh, no, I'm pregnant. And then, like, oh, my God. I'm pregnant. Uh, yeah, and you do think, I mean, it leads you, like, the hook is the same as Major Barrett pitched it, where it goes to the opening credits, and you're like, she's going to Maury Povich's ass. And they don't, and that's good, so you don't have to sit through that, but you get the idea of it. And then he's Tavnian, which... I assume is a race they just made up because mm-hmm. it's just Kang in a in a bald cap or whatever it is. Sure. This is there's things that I would bitch about if this episode <laughs> were better. 
that I just right. like we did we're at a loss here we don't know what to do right well okay so I guess like I, I will say that the I wrote the, a lot of notes but it's like man I don't know if I have it in so the the woman who plays the space vampires Meg Foster we like to point out any actor who was in uh, Masters of the Universe by Canon Films oh she was uh, Eva Lynn she was Eva Lynn yes oh okay Mom. listen darling your new friends are all tied up with the work we're doing, and they have something we want. That shiny metal thing with the blinking That light. might be one of the most disappointing moments of my childhood. <laughs> Masters of the Universe are realizing that Evil Lynn is in the music. Yeah, I think I've said it on the I think uh, I've said it No, I think I've said it on the podcast before about how like yeah. uh, the feeling of being underwhelmed is a feel like as a is a feeling that you don't usually have in memory that you can <laughs> yeah. like a reach back to. Yep, but I can I can I just I just distinctly remember the the feeling of being underwhelmed <laughs> when I watched Masters of the Universe for the first time. Thank you, my darling. No! I, it, that was my favorite cartoon when I was a kid. Yeah, and uh, don't go back and watch. Don't go back and yeah. watch it thirty seconds. Oh, yeah, most definitely. <laughs> it wasn't good, but as a kid, don't ever, don't ever watch He Man again. Yeah, if you watched it like when it was on the first time, from like nineteen eighty three to nineteen eighty six or whatever, that's when you should have watched it. Your time has passed. Let that let the magic from that era. <laughs> it was for you then. Yes, it's not for you now. You cannot go back yeah. to it. Uh, but yes. watching it, yeah, it was, I, and it was like, I want to watch, you know, all of the stuff. And you end up like after all of this time with uh, Tom Paris and Cougar Town. And I'm like, what the <laughs> fuck is going on? And like a whole thing is built around the little, I don't know. It was, it was, yes, it was the most disappointing thing I've ever seen. Oh, oh we're still talking about Masters of the Universe or. You want to uh, talk about the memes? Let's talk about other disappointing things. Yes. <laughs> well, I was just going to say, I think that. The case could be made that this episode could have been good with the premise that she's going that that you have to going to Odo for protection is is a smart move. Yes. And yeah, he has a genuine and he actually ha, like fosters a, a genuine affection yeah. for her. Yeah. And that just go ahead and speed up to the end where she uh, oh, I got so many notes and they ex- explains why they could never actually be together or like stay married or whatever oh, like yeah, that yeah. was like the most sensible thing Lex Wanda Troy's ever said and it actually closes out a like yeah. a three episode arc basically you oh, have it's... movement you know and Odo's not the person at the end of this episode Odo's not the same person he was well at the beginning for one <laughs> yeah minute. he says that in his vows you know even more so <laughs> He's changed. So as far as a serialized television show, this dumb, dumb episode actually achieves something. They set points in the arc, and this does get to some of them. Uh, yeah. I would also say that it it also is a satisfying sequel to Crossfire because so much yeah, of it is tied kind of in with his emotional frailty from here. And her whole thing, like the whole idea of her getting pregnant by uh jay all who's just like i guess it's because major bear really liked the idea of her being in love with odo but then they they work it in like jay all i guess is a rebound from the last horrible episode with luxwana which yeah was, this is the worst episode since fascination which is yeah, the yeah. second yeah because she she realizes that odo she even calls out odo's in love with kira because she sees it and then she leaves and then she goes and marries Jay All in the interim and gets pregnant, which she never thought she could happen. Cause, and then and like, and, and part of me is like, oh, did Majel Barrett just, was she excited because she's sick and just having mm. kind of like, you know, and I, I'll give her, like, let her have this, you know, like, oh, let me play a pregnant woman. Yeah. My, you know. the, the, the visual incongruity of someone so elder. Yeah. Because yeah, also yeah. it seemed, didn't they, she's going through menopause and fascination, right? Right. Yeah, and they do a little bit of this, like she's all bummed about Jayal and leaving her husband and that, it being a lie. And then they have the scene at the on at Quarks where she's talking to uh, Kira and 
Jadzia in their Camelot. Michael Dore, Michael Dore to that scene is nailing it. <laughs> he's the, he's my favorite part of this whole episode. Him just, yeah, he's nailing it by doing absolutely nothing and just staring ahead blankly. Yes. It's pretty great. Goes, you like, want to go to walk? And Odo goes, or Worf goes, I want to. I would. I meant Luxa. And they're kind of hitting on the thing from uh, Fascination where she's in Bajoran menopause and kind of projecting emotions that's what i wonder but they don't make that clear but i did wonder that yeah it's kind of yeah it's kind of half-assed like a lot in this episode <laughs> i love i love klingons experiencing ennui it's my favorite thing in all of star trek and then quirk is like she's bringing everybody down because they're all just sitting there upset and everything uh, do we just want to do this whole let's get the locks on a thing and then end with jay yeah let's just hit a few notes they have a they have sort of the i guess the companion piece to the First season episode where they first meet, where they have a yeah, they have a tender moment in the elevator. Yeah, <laughs> it's he does a blanket over her and he's resting in his lap, kind of thing. She's so tired, and he's like, "You, your replicator isn't on the fritz, is it?" And she she comes in and he's got all these shape shifting playground equipment and she's like this isn't sculpture this is for shape-shifting right and he's like oh you noticed she's the only one that notices and he's very particular about letting people into his inner sanctum and he lets her in and he sees a loophole to where if uh tavnian because the whole thing is tavnian people her shitty husband raised their kids like hasidic jews (laughs) sorry uh to where the they really are or Jesus. <laughs> I'm sorry. Or 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 mosques or religious, highly religious cultures, or or there's Christian it's across the board. Sorry. Everyone <laughs> sorry. Even Jewish people don't like Hasidic. He's a quiver he's a quiverful. He's a he's a, yeah, yeah. yeah. To where it's, it's like, like firm separation of the sexes and he's gonna come steal his son. And Luxwana is like, no, it's my kid and and she talks about Kestra, her uh, Troy's dead sister, who died when she was six and stuff. Mm-hmm. Do they bring that up in TNG, or do, was this manufactured? Yes, they do. I thought they did. They yeah. do, yeah. And that's why Luxana doesn't want to let the kid go, and that that makes sense. In a good script or a good episode, that might have been very heartfelt and stuff, you know? I don't know. I'm, I'm starting to, like, I'm gravitating towards Hugh's idea that these three episodes together are pretty good, but, like... You think about them and like they're all all three of them are horrible episodes, right? But the Loxana stuff, right? But but the progress the progress that they've made with Odo because this is important. Loxana shows that Odo is capable of an interpersonal relationship he did he himself did not believe right. was possible, which is paving the way within that character for a relationship down the road. Yes, Loxana is the training wheels. Yeah. In the same way, like the notes, like they're plotting. the The plotting is not bad. The execution is horrible, and like I mean, right? We I could argue that that's partly of my issues with Discovery, but this is not the podcast for that. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm gonna ask the que- I'm gonna ask the question because all three of these episodes do distinctly suck ass. <laughs> yes, um, and two of these are. The worst episodes ever. Like in and all of like yeah, yeah. you you called this one the worst episode. So they're all distinctly bad. So I'm wondering, is it a writer's like because they obviously they have to write one for the boss for the ex boss's wife. Like, are they just phoning it in because they're like little pricks? I don't know. I mean, and even though the idea is good, they don't feel like they don't put their shoulder into it. Maybe to build the dressing around it to be good. Maybe, and also it's just really hard because this this pitch and this plot, it's all like melodrama. It's not, you know, it's and that can, that's right. It's not in their wheelhouse. They could have a writer who could do right, like, right. But the, there's no you can't techno babble emotional baggage. You know what I mean? You can't. Yeah. Right, and it's kind of like. A romance novel kind of thing, like right. I mean, well, which is crazy because then Iris Stephen Bear goes on to what's the show that he does with Ronald D. Moore now, which is like a bodice ripper, but was time travel. Yeah, but it's a bodice ripper, but there's like all kinds of male rape and group. Right, like right. I think that like if we watch oh. if we watch that show, that show might be like like a big what the fuck. Like I don't know. I watched I watched like four or five episodes of the first season, <laughs> and I was like. This is good. I don't like it because it's not for. Isn't there like man? I'm right. There's like man rape all in the show, right? Yeah, I didn't. I didn't. I didn't get that far. 
maybe hey hey if, oh if there's man rape it would have it would have sucked me right in but i mean <laughs> yeah that one was like i'm just saying that like that show's weirder than it's a great yeah it, it appears and it's not yeah. it's a well done show it's just like it's a it's a it's a melodrama which is. is hard to pull me into you know and the book is yeah it's not our yeah, thing yeah, but yeah. It, the book is regarded as like the game of thrones of Bodice rippers. <laughs> bodice rippers. Bodice rippers. Yeah. Iris Stephen Bear and Ronald D. Moore work on it, and they do a good job with it, I think. Mm-hmm. They don't, this is not a good job. <laughs> you know? No, no, no. no. George R. R. Martin is, is, here, is hearing this because he listens to the show, and yeah. he's like, I wish, I thought that Game of Thrones was the bodice rippers. <laughs> the Game rip, of Thrones like, was the, the Game of Thrones. Yeah, well, the they rip bodices and they rape people. Yes. That's the problem. It's not. <laughs> well, so does apparently Outlander. Right. Well, but they're they're ripping bodices of dudes' pants. The difference is Outlander is not a grand story of how one dude ends up fucking his auntie. That's the <laughs> right, difference, right? Yes, right? That's yeah, that, that's what it's missing. <laughs> but the yeah. but the skill was that it made me want to watch it. Right, right. JL comes in from the umami sector. <laughs> <laughs> It's a very key ingredient <laughs> yeah. to really great Japanese It's cooking. only one word <laughs> off from, from the, it's one letter off from the umami <laughs> sector. It's actually from the umani. Hey, it was the 90s, man. Us in the Western and the States, we were just learning what umami was. Uh, Kane comes in and he's being not, yeah, whatever. And then Odo comes up with the great idea of like. By the way, he acts exactly like like that. Yeah, he does. Michael Ansar, I love him. He is old school. He acts one way. Yeah. If you put some makeup on him, he acts that way. If you put other makeup right. on him, it don't matter. He acts <laughs> right. that way. Yeah. Of the three uh, Dahar masters, I think uh, Core is the breakout star of that. I like the the way he plays everything, which is the same way. But, <laughs> I mean, like, he comes in and he's Kang. Sure. There is no variation. Yeah. He's Kang. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and, and probably Mr. Freeze. I don't clearly remember Mr. Freeze <laughs> yeah. from Batman 66, no, but I'm sure it's he's exactly Kang, the yeah. same. <laughs> he's Kang. And he comes in and he talks in that same voice. And um, and and I loved it. But like, so whatever, whatever he's got to do. So he's going to marry her. Yeah, he's going to marry her. Because then he gets the rights to the kid. Right. And then... And then but then the wrinkle is, is that he's got to convince Kang <laughs> that he really loves Loxana. And yeah, and then Kang shows up to the wedding and he's like, look, I know you have your pride. Uh, like, uh, wait. It's not too late to call this I know off. dignity is important to you. Your dignity is important to you. I understand that. I would not want anyone to see me. In that horrible blue dress. <laughs> <laughs> he's wearing a blue velour dress. Uh-huh. And I know this is embarrassing for you. So It looks very comfortable to, to maybe go to sleep in. Yeah. Uh- <laughs> so if you just want to say the word, nobody has to know about this awful outfit that you're wearing. My favorite thing is the quick clip, because I guess like a part of the subterfuge is that he's actually got to tell the entire cast of the show that he is, you know, yeah. that he's in love with Loxana and getting married. He can't like tell her this is a, this is a convenience marriage, man. Right. Uh, this is a green card marriage. He's not telling her that, telling anybody that. So everybody's just kind of like, Odo, like what the fuck's going on with Odo? Right. And they're like, but they're on board. And then, and then he gives the big grand speech. He, he goes like, no, I have something to say moment <laughs> when, uh, King doesn't really buy it and he's like oh and, and he gives it I mean it's saccharine it's dumb it, but I mean in it well okay here's here's the question I was going to ask it, if that. this were a good if this were well done a lot of this the, his little monologue would still be similar I guess well actually what I was going to say was are you supposed to think that he's giving the speech he would give about Kira no I think he start I think the the thing is, like, is right because she didn't recoil. Like, she saw me and she didn't recoil. I think he's like learning that he maybe could learn to love her, and then looks on as like, no, you're not going to. And he's like, well, I, like, he gives the big grandiose speech. Like, I saw her and she did. She saw me and she didn't recoil. Somebody that wanted me for who I was, and and I stopped being alone. See, I read it. I read it as that. Like, he's like, okay, so I gotta. The the I got I got to pass a lot of texture tests, right? And so I got to tell the truth as I understand it. So I'm going to get up there and act like I'm talking about Loxana, but I'm going to describe the intense my intensity of feelings for Kira. Uh, you could have done that with the directing. That didn't happen in this episode because at, once he gives the speech, I don't know. 
know. I kind of got that feeling, though. I don't know. I didn't because of the way, because they they do a pan, a B-roll, like a Passover Kira, and it's not registering for her at all. And then. Yeah. uh, And then he's done with it. And the Luxana is like. I agree. Oh, boy. It could have been made clearer. I'm not arguing that they nailed it. (laughs) what, What makes it clear to me that he felt like genuine about it, like. He gives this wonderful kind of heartfelt feeling speech, and Luxana's like, "Oh, great! He bought it. Oh, what a relief!" And he's like, "He he's kind of taken aback because like, wait, are you saying that you think in that moment that Odo's in love with Luxana? Yeah, because this is a shitty episode, and that's what the actor was doing. I think I think he's trying. Yeah, I think that's what he's doing too. Yeah, I think he's in love with her in that moment, but it's only because he's got the training wheels on. He's riding the bike, and he's and he's sort of. The exhilaration of having these feelings when he didn't know it was possible. Yeah. And then she explains to him later, like, no, that's right. not what you were feeling, dude. Maybe. You I, know, you were, you have a genuine fondness right. for me, but you're I not. Still, yeah, I still think that Odo is like, I think that if Loxana asked Odo, why couldn't, why couldn't you love me? Uh, Odo would turn to her like Captain Pike did to her and say, I don't even think of you as a woman. Right. Well, that's what, that's my whole point. If this were a good episode, you're totally right. That's what this episode would be. But because this part of what makes this a a bad episode is how cheesy and like, and like, Oh, Odo is in love with her in this episode. It doesn't make sense. And the act, the actor's doing the work with the script that he's got, but it's just a bad episode. Like he's, I'm gonna, yeah, this is a bad episode, but I'm gonna ride that they're trying to make it about Kira. They have a conversation about Kira early. Yeah, they do at the end, and it's a pretty heartfelt. It's a you're, pretty. You're, that's only to establish where they are in the. Yeah, awful I know, arc. I know. I'm not. I, it's not because they're trying to say. Yeah, something. like at the beginning and at the end, but the speech that he gives, I felt like was a bad episode. Him talking about. Yeah, Luxana. I do not think. I think it, I think it's him using the, the emotional training wheels, and, and and I don't think it's about Kira. I think it's and then it. I think that what I think that then why she sort of rejects him. I think that the, the the story would be that they mention it, and then he he sells it based on that emotion, and then when she sort of rejects him at the end, she rejects him as then like you're not in love with me, you're in love with someone else. That's what she does, and that's yeah. pretty clear. Yeah. And that is pretty clear at the end. But he's kind of. Because his whole thing, at least in his head, too, he's like, he's a little bit hurt because he was so, like, genuine and and his thing, and it was kind of heartfelt for him. And she's kind of like, nah. But at the end of it, she is right in her whole, like, you are in love with someone else. You just want somebody to take care of. You're not in love with me. And he, and it's, and you know, if we're going to give this episode the benefit of the doubt, it's like, She's right, but also he thought he was talking about her, but he really wasn't, you know? And she could see through that better than he could. She's a better person. She's better at reading people than he is at reading himself. Yeah. Like, yeah, you think you're in love with me right now, but really it's about Kira. We all know that. And mm-hmm. and you would, you know, you would you would love to have me here and for me to have the baby here, and and you would try to be a good father to it and everything, but at the end of the day, it we'd all be disappointed and I'd resent you and you'd resent you because you're not in love with me, you're in love with Kira. Can you imagine how impossibly bad as a father Odo would be? Well, he'd be distant. Disciplinarian and rigid. Yeah. All of the things that make for a happy adulthood. Uh, yeah, well, I, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I, 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 well, let's not get into my father issues. No, my... <laughs> My dad was not a disciplinarian, actually. He's more of a uh, do what, what thou will kind of guy. But Your dad was Anton LaVey? Well, yeah, yeah. No, not that either, but... Yeah, I think that the Odo would be emotionally distant, but never physically distant. Yeah. You'll always be like... So that's, so that's that plot. It's better for both of us if I leave now. Let's hit this, let's hit this other plot. Yeah. <laughs> oh, God, we still got to talk about the muse, don't we? The only enjoyment that I got in the episode is that... She sort of seeks him out and sells him the, to come to her apartment. And he <laughs> bails on his dad. And he goes up to her apartment. Was like, Would you? And I know, and I have no doubt that he was playing the scene. It's Jake. Jake. Jake Sisko, remember me? Thought he was going to get some yeah. pussy. <laughs> yes. Come in. Step into my blanket fort. 
Do we all agree that he was playing that as oh, yeah. he was going to get laid? Oh, totally. oh, he was most definitely yeah. going to get some. Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah. Betty Rock Dog, a text message, some older woman. Nobody's there for MFA type uh, study uh, peer review, yes. any, you know, uh, literature course yes. or anything. Yeah. No. This was clearly, he was like, an older woman. Wants to fuck, going me. To fuck me. <laughs> yeah. Haven't you ever been alone? the woman's quarters before so his the way he that whole scene unveiled where it was almost like he came to realization that he wasn't gonna get played <laughs> whatever you're thinking put it out of your mind <laughs> that was really fun for me i mean to watch. yeah I, I other than that what i do like about jake is it like he's a player you know like he like he's he, he he likes older women. He's already, you know, since he was 14. If a woman's going to invite him to his room, what, he ain't going to say no. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like when he goes to, well, yeah, when he goes to the mirror universe, he's like, Jake, isn't she a little old for you? I liked it. Like, <laughs> like, hey, yeah, no, I'm going to his dad's like, no, son. It's like, oh, come on. So, have you, like, Jake is one of those guys, the way that they sort of wrote him over, like, the show, even in that mirror episode from, I guess, was that last week that we did that? Anyway, that, um, Jake has a confidence on the kind of woman he can get that is uh, uh yeah it's a really interesting character choice. Mm-hmm. Usually like writers are are incels so they when they write teen characters they always write them as weird incels. Yeah 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 yeah. But like that Jake is like a swinging dick and like it, he is and he like is. cannot be stopped like like he, he two seasons ago we were talking about is it weird that he's dating like a hooker like, a sex like worker he, in, in he, any case yes Maybe a, some, not a some sex worker capacity yeah. and like he was like he just he has no like so he she was like you want to go to his room and he was like yeah sure <laughs> He probably put on his axe body spray. <laughs> I enjoyed everything about that. It, it's one of my favorite things about Jake's character. Uh, yeah. Uh, I wish there was more of that. Yeah. She, like, <laughs> oh, they, they name check a few. They, they talk about uh, whatever the the architect is. I guess a Cardassian architect that's famous. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, and then Rev, Revelus used this pen when he wrote The Weight. And the paper? Yes, paper. Yeah, whatever. Yeah. And these are made up. And then there's um, Keats and Catalyst or the or Catalyst. Uh, who's Catalyst? I thought, is that a real one too? Because I knew Keats was. Yeah, yeah. He's a real poet. Okay. Um, Yeah, I've read. I, yeah. Okay. The, yeah, I the mean, Keats. Don't go out of your way. Don't go out of your way. Right. But, yeah. The Keats I knew, I was like, oh, that makes sense too. Because the whole thing is like, she's a space vampire that sucks the brain juice from people. And. But lets them write these great works of art. He's what, 19, 18 on the show? How old is Jake? He's like 16 or 17 at this point. Oh. He's like 17 on the 17. show at this point. And yeah. she says he's way younger than the people that she normally right. does. But Keats died at 25. I think he started publishing at 18. So, like. Right. But when. She was working on she, him. She at, was working on him yeah. at 20. Yeah. But, uh. Because, mm. yeah, and he died of consumption. Like, that's where I was like, oh. I'm sure the average Deep Space Nine fan. Uh, 1996 was like, oh, excuse me, uh, Keats was actually <laughs> 25 when he died. They, they saw Bright Star. <laughs> yes. oh, I was just going to make a Hyperion reference because I knew a lot of, I, I learned a lot about Keats oh, when I was a kid and I read the true. Hyperion yes, books. Yes, that's so, right. So she was his fanny. That's absolutely right. Which was actually like his cousin or something, which was his muse. Uh, mm-hmm. But he died of consumption, I'm like. Right. Which is like when he, when Jake gets the, I guess the conceit is like, oh, he didn't die of consumption. He died of this muse giving him nosebleeds from working too hard or whatever. There's a fine uh, movie called Bright Star about Keats. Oh, yeah. Um, I always suggest it, uh, and about Fanny and Keats. I always suggest it because Paul Schneider is in it, and he's like one of my favorite failed actors in Hollywood. <laughs> he was on the he was on Parks and Recreation before it got good, and it was like firing him made it good. <laughs> oh, but he's <laughs> oh yeah. But it was also he's also one of my favorite movies, which is Assassination of Jesse James. Oh yeah, and he's pretty good in yeah. that. So yeah. Okay, back to this. Oh, yeah. Oh, oh, oh I'm sorry. You sidetracked me with something good. Um, Let's talk about Jesse James. So, yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, so they basically spend the rest of the episode sitting in a corner while she sucks 
cheddar cheese off his brain. <laughs> right. And, and, um, we all know that's what creative energy looks like. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Velveeta. Gaseous Velveeta. It's like, let me, let me rub your brain jizz on my chest. Here, uh, and then and then he he gets I don't even like it's like it's like lame like he then he's like I gotta go to bed or she tells him to go to bed yeah, yeah. and then he walks through like that uh, the replimat yeah and then he walks through and he's got like uh what was that movie about the guy who takes the drugs and got like brain powers zapped <laughs> no uh <laughs> no uh what's his face was in it uh, oh you're talking about uh limitless 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 uh, they yes. made a TV show out of that too yeah. I didn't watch either of them. Yeah, I don't he, know. He walks through and he's got like, like I has like limitless powers and he falls over and his brain is functioning. They put the little weirdo thing on his head. Oh yeah. His brain is functioning like awesome. Oh yeah. Well, his, his call, capillary, uh, his synaptic. Yeah. I wrote down some techno babble. Who cares? Yeah. <laughs> and that was, a, it was giving the show more than it deserved. <laughs> and then I guess Cisco comes back from his, Fuck can't fuck trip and then like um and then like she beat I don't know it's like fucking lame she steals him and then sucks more cheese off his head and then Cisco yells at her and she runs away <laughs> right. she shoots a phaser at her and she runs away yeah yeah that's this whole episode is paced so weird like because I wasn't sure what the a plot was and then the Odo marriage plot ends and there's like 20 minutes left. I was like, well, like there is still the, you're right. It's like this podcast where they dealt with the people at all. <laughs> right. It's like, Oh wait, I thought this, Oh shit. Okay. Well now we're, I got my thumb up my ass for 20 minutes watching the space vampire jack off his brain. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> And I guess that this is the like that's how he wrote his first book that was talked about. Uh, oh, right, Anselm. Yeah, that's yeah, yeah. And then and then uh, Cisco gets to be a good dad and say, "Look, oh, after after Jake blew him off, to, they were going to the Bajoran outback. They were going to, and then Cassidy Yates gets mentioned. That's all I want to say. Uh, mm-hmm. And then in the future, unlike today, they still teach." cursive <laughs> because <laughs> because Jake Cisco writes his signature on paper and for Anselm the book that we know that he wrote from the visitor yeah they do as as a, as a, as I have a 10 year old they do still teach cursive uh, okay but it is kind of like nobody gives a right. shit but they still do okay but eh, i mean i don't i don't i i i've actually expressed that i was like i don't know why you teach kids this <laughs> right <laughs> like i'm the guy who hates that they teach them that yeah but nonetheless uh, uh yeah the dialogue yeah. is sharp so, the story is involving the characters are real but the spelling is terrible well muses can't muses can't help it yeah yeah I re- that was the epi- the episode where he gets infected by the shrunken white ghost. Is where the <laughs> right. the- Eats, sh- shoots, and leaves. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, what a dumb. I, episode. I, I wrote down every d- uh, bit of uh, of text that he wrote in longhand on my notes, but. We don't need to do that. What the fuck, man? Why do you punish yourself like this? I, I don't know, man. Oh, Jesus. Uh, behind the curtain a little bit, like, we've had none of us. I've watched this episode like three fucking times already. Cause oh, we, yeah. We bailed on it last week. So <laughs> Right. Uh, man, I only watched the last episode of Discovery once, but. Let me let me let you under the curtain. Uh, I watched this episode a week ago, and I haven't watched it since. Yeah. Like, I don't. Yep. Ditto, ditto to me. <laughs> so basically, if you want to know who the best co-host, uh, the best host of this show is, it's basically Wade. We always know <laughs> Wade puts way more work into this than we did. We always <laughs> Wade. Yeah. Wade is the heart and soul of the of the rules. I don't need credit for play. I, I I want credit for playing smart, not stupid. Wait, 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 <laughs> wait, wait, well, is, si- wait is Simon and me and Hugh are Garfunkel. <laughs> yeah, I'm, yeah, like well, I don't I don't deserve credit for watching this show three times. <laughs> That's all I'm saying. I I can I, I admire the commitment. I'm glad that I'm glad that you did because like if we were both all foggy about this, um, is this the worst episode of Deep Space Nine so far? Like obviously excluding Profit and Lace and any sort of other bullshit that's before us. Uh, is this worse well, than Fascination or or yes. what are the what yes. are they? I'm gonna say it's Move Along. Babel is ba- 
Babel's bad. Move Along Home is bad. This is this is objectively the worst, I think. Right. Well, the problem with this one is even those ones structurally, even as bad as they are, this one just structurally is awful too. It is a it to is me. A, that's why it's the worst. I, I was gonna. I'm gonna make the. I was gonna try and make the case that Fascination is worse. I hate Fascination more, but because that was the one. <laughs> then the muse. <laughs> that was the that. one with that was the one with O'Brien and his wife fighting over the other guy, and then like yeah. All right. everybody's fucking on the ship or trying to fuck or because Loxana's got like yeah, I mean like uh, I thought that episode I, I, was gross, and I think that see, specifically Burial, who was still alive at the time, was like grinding <laughs> right. his boner up against like everybody in the show. Like it was pretty. It bad. was gross. There was a level. There was a level of camp there that made it watchable. Yeah. And I will always say that about the bad episodes. The bad episodes that have a tinge of camp with them, or people doing a silly voice, or something that's watchable. There's nothing watchable about this. That right. you're just clawing your eyes out. I would we had we had some like overly earnest stuff with 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 Odo and his feelings, and that was drier than a popcorn fart. Then <laughs> on the and then on the on the flip side, you had this space vampire story that's not even it's like if you're gonna say if you're gonna tell somebody what this episode's about you're like cool let's roll let's watch this silly piece of shit and there's you somehow made space vampires boring you know do you know what i mean yeah 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 and tedious to watch yeah so no this this is this is awful do you guys do we need i mean do you want to get into the imdb oh yeah Okay. All right. Do you guys do you want to guess? <laughs> yeah. Well, okay. So where are we? Uh, rewatch. We're super low, right? <laughs> yeah. All of oh, us. Are... Rewatch is. I'm already in. I'm already in. In the red on the rewatch. Like I've already. I've already fucked up. I've seen. Yeah. In fact. Yeah. That's. There's. I'm sure some black hat hacker is going to like. Mm-hmm. I've. I've hijacked your Apple TV. It will <laughs> only play one episode of Deep Space Nine. It's amused. <laughs> pay me ten thousand dollars in the morning. I'd be like, well, I got it. I got to pay ten thousand dollars. <laughs> I can't get my Apple TV back, man. <laughs> right. So uh, yes. I, I, can we all assume we're all at a zero that we'll never rewatch this if we don't have to? I mean, zero is low. I'll put it at a two. That's about as low as I'm going to go. All right. Well, Wade, you're a better you're man a better than we are. Than James, you're at, a, you're at a zero, right? Maybe I want to watch. Maybe I've got to bug up my ass to watch the worst episode I can watch. And like, no, I don't feel like watching Meridian. Like Meridian was Meridian and Fascination were neck and neck for me. The the Shangri La, the uh, they were pretty bad. Yeah, that was. But this one, we just, may at some point. We, I get your point. I'm still gonna put it at zero. Yeah, but because, uh, but there's a point where we may do what is the worst trick, and like of all of them, like the Scottish ghost candle thing, <laughs> the, like <laughs> Abraham Lincoln in space. What is the worst trick? This is very Scottish ghost candle, and like who's gonna. It's yeah. yeah That's the level of weirdness to that that was more exciting. Yeah, yeah. Or, um, well, yeah. guys, I gotta know what you think of what the vote votes are on this. I'm gonna put it at a five. I'm gonna put it at a five point six. Now the good people of IMDb have it at a five point five. It's got six hundred and eighty five votes, which which is pretty high. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people like just voted just so they can downvote it. It looks like yeah, yeah. But yeah. What's the highest vote that it has? I'm curious that who would rate this high. It's written by the username Roddenwife. <laughs> right. <laughs> no, it's got 37 10s. 37 people voted a 10 out of 10. Those are must be just the people that go through and just rate every episode at a 10. Everyone is a 10, right? Yeah. <sighs> 514 males voted for it and 69 females. 69 no sorry sorry I apologize. <laughs> <laughs> all right guys should we move on to voicemails and emails yeah we should next week is um a pretty fucking big episode uh it's Ooh. called for the cause and oh uh, shit it's an episode oh, about shit about michael eddington <laughs> so, oh boy <laughs> hugh you stoked you stoked yeah you? i'm sorry you don't, I, don't I, spoil I'm, anything I'm Pretty sure you just heard me yawn. <laughs> All right, let's move on to uh, feedback. What a waste. I will never forget you, Jake. 
You're not going anywhere. And yet, she did. Just jumping straight into it, here's a voicemail from Stefan. Hello guys, this is Stefan calling about Sons of Moog, which is a pretty good episode. With one minor problem is that uh, Kern should have died. Like, really actually died. Um, Worf's arc in season four is essentially uh, to take everything away from him that he gained in uh, seven years of the next generation. Um, so what you guys were saying about Kern uh, going on a, a mission or whatever doesn't achieve that. Um, my favorite version of this story is uh, that um, Kern uh, commits dishonorable suicide and goes to Klingon hell. Because what you would uh, then get is Worf really uh, not only losing his, his brother, but failing as a Klingon. Because he didn't want to help Kern uh, commit uh, the honorable euthanasia. Um, that's what I, I, I've always thought that's what the episode should, should have been. But because of this is a uh, 90s show and topics like euthanasia and suicide are difficult. So um, it never went there, unfortunately. Okay, that's uh, my two cents. <laughs> so Stefan wants it to go darkest timeline and <laughs> yeah that would actually be super interesting and probably better than what we saw yeah <laughs> yeah i mean i think i said it a couple yeah. times to like if when he's did... got that phaser he just wants him to come in and say kern no and then pff, kern blows his face off and <laughs> and the end and then kern, Murph has to deal kern, with... no kern no <laughs> kern no would have been a that would have been a nice touch yeah i i do <laughs> yeah it's such a weird episode to me i listen like it's been a we do these podcasts in advance and then that yeah so when i listened to the podcast as it came out i was like yeah like it really like that i think it was the episode that i liked the most f like i wanted like i liked the setting i liked tony todd i liked these characters i liked the plot and then like just like how unsatisfying like like what a wet fart at the end <laughs> and and that is what i think was just sort of like i was a little bit shocked by just how just sort of empty it was yeah. at the end, but but yeah, and I, anything, multiple things would be better. But I do think you're like I think that the more that Worf is stripped to nothing, like that's interesting. Yeah. So and that was interesting to me on the show, and to the point where I know I talk about like it's not a beloved episode or anything like that, but there's an episode I think in season five or maybe six where he's having a fight his way through uh, a battery of, 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 and it's the best, oh, yeah. it's the best. Yeah. I mean, and it, it is that, that sort of at that moment, you know, Worf is stripped to nothing. Yeah. Yeah. But like, like who he is as a bear character. And I don't like in a way that. Yeah. Only Picard's and, and Spock's and Kirk's have gotten to have that kind of character development to that point. Yeah. And Brooks too. I mean, Avery Brooks gets a lot of those episodes right, right, later right. on too. But um, that was it's so satisfying to me. So I mean, we did a whole, we did our whole. How would we fix this? We went back yeah. to that. Well, mm -hmm. and and I get like I get like he should have killed himself. Man, maybe it's just the world. Like maybe it's the new Star Trek, or maybe it's just where I'm at. It's like, man, I, I don't I don't need that darkness. I I mean it's too dark, yeah. Yeah, like the it it was kind of unsatisfying. I and I argued for the like he just get let him have consent for the mind wipe, but the, the I I believe like the one we ended with like your how would I fix this is still my favorite, James. Yeah, no, I I, I think it was pretty good too, and I think that it works more. Listen to the podcast. I'm gonna bring this up because I think this is like this is a little off topic, but this is why people go for us. Is that it did feel too, like if he had killed himself or died, it it does feel too dark to me, and I think it is the world today. And uh, I was listening to uh, Patton Oswald on Chepo Trap House, and Chep, it was, I believe it was Patton Oswald that made the point. Uh, Maybe one of the Chapo guys, but I believe it was Patton Oswalt that uh, Tim Allen shows only exist in a Democratic presidency. 
<laughs> and um, this idea that this, uh, oh yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah um, that you get I think it's actually maybe maybe it's right, Christmas go, I'm it, sorry. Is that during the nineties during uh, uh, the Clinton the Clinton years you needed some Clinton yeah you know you needed some like man like who's gonna spread yeah, yeah. express dumb man stuff and like you know and that and Tim Allen always sort of fits that mold and then. When Bush got in office, they were like, "We don't need that anymore. That's the presidency. You know, that's our that's our politics. We need something else. We need something more sophisticated to escape to." Yeah. yeah. Uh, and then when Obama happened, then the the politics got sophisticated again, and so then we needed a safe space. Got like so that's when Tim Allen got over whatever the fuck that show is. And so I do think that there is these sort it's of a travesty like, that it's not on the air anymore. Yeah, yeah, yeah and it gets canceled as soon as Trump. Is. So, um, so there's this idea that there's this sort of reverse, yeah. like what you want to see in culture is the reverse to what you're seeing in reality. And I, I personally feel that right now where I, I don't like, I don't know. All the spoiled toddler shows are the murderous spoiled toddler yeah, like, shows. I mean, like if you had anymore. to watch, I mean, <laughs> right. I know that like Breaking Bad had this whole thing about like healthcare policy, but like if you had to watch like fucking like I, I don't know if i had to watch boardwalk empire during the I, something about it just would like i don't want to watch this i'm kind of feeling that with the deuce like you know like I, I like it but like this isn't like this is like i need something like i think that's why i like the orville as much as i do is <laughs> because for an hour like they're gonna make me feel happy like yeah <laughs> Hey man, hey, and this is this ain't the podcast. I know it's not. I know that you like to like, (laughs) (laughs) but uh, cut that shit out. People got to pay for that. No, yeah, Yeah, if you want to, yeah. So yeah, so I you might like like, the Orville, you might not. If they want to find out, they gotta check out our. And like, (laughs) do you find your guys that way? Is that something that you've just like? Oh yeah, that is most definitely that. That's that's okay. Okay, I'd agree. We're, with that, we're living yeah. in hell world right now. We got to be careful, like what, how we like. You don't want to open a crack open <laughs> yeah. a book and you know read, yeah. read about hell world or watch TV about hell world or listen to your podcast yeah. about hell world. I mean, you, you just have to open yeah. up the news app on your phone. And yes, it's just yeah. You know, oh my god. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think we have good outlets in you know the Reagan years. We got cyberpunk and stuff, which is. Yeah, but I almost think that the Reagan, like, but uh, I mean, he was a Republican presidency, and I pretty much hate everything fucking about him. But like, that was that. I don't think America felt dark to the people that were there. No, I don't know Uh, if I could trade cyberpunk for the AIDS crisis. That's true. That's true. Yeah, but yeah, yeah, yeah. No, 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 no. I mean, come on. Let's not. I don't like to romanticize what we got out of a shitty time. I'm not romantic. I'm not trying to romanticize that, but like the eight, like. Like that was happening. I don't think that was the zeitgeist. No, but neither was cyber in the way. Like I think that was late eighties. I think that was late eighties. But that doesn't matter. You know, I'm just saying. Oh no, what, what was cyberpunk? Or, well, who no cares? AIDS. The AIDS crisis. Uh, but yeah, AIDS was like the, all the AIDS crisis was was early eighties too. Like yeah, oh, I was. know, I know all about the AIDS crisis. I'm saying that the zeitgeist <laughs> uh, of it being like. Uh, well, yeah, because because of Reagan and yes, we were, because they let like, it go oh, forever. It's fucking <laughs> yes. annoying. Yeah, yeah, no, no, no. I'm not like I. I we think, don't care about them. It's just gay people dying. Fuck them. Like that's what it was all I think, about. It. I think Ronald Reagan is probably like the most effectively bad. Like I don't think he's bad. I think he did his job effectively. I think what he wanted to do and what he did was horrible for America. Uh, and I thank God that so far Donald Trump. <laughs> cannot manage to work that efficiently and effectively at bringing forth a vision. So I think that's the one thing we got going for us. No, he's just, well, he's just floated by the vision. That's what keeps him. That's what got him to office is yeah, it's still a mess. the vision of yeah. the fucking people. Yeah. Oh, it's, a, it, Oh my God. Yes. Now you're now the podcast. <laughs> is about yeah. Wait, wait a minute. How to... did we get here? Thanks a lot. Do we have uh, any more voicemails? Um, no. All right. So that's all we got this week for you. Um, do y'all have anything you want to plug? Nope. Just our Kickers of Elves Patreon page. Yeah, that's all I'm All right. Yeah. 
patreon.com slash kickers of elves. Check us out there and also uh, give us a call. Give us your feedback if you want to tell us what you think about whatever. Mm. Um, give us a call at 917-408-3898. And yeah, just uh, let us know. Give us a call there. Tell us about the ROA. um, Or send us a little audio message at uh, rulesofacquisitionpodcast at gmail.com like some of our international listeners do. Uh, Try to keep it under three minutes. Um, what else am I missing? Yeah, check out the Patreon, Kickers of Elves. Um, rate us on the new iTunes app that or whatever. It's not even new at this point. I don't know. Do all the other things that every other podcast wants you to do. Yes, like us on everything. <laughs> It'll really. Yes, <laughs> yes. Please like us. Uh, that's why we do. Uh, yeah. <laughs> You know, you know the drill. Yeah. Uh, so we'll just we'll just get on with it. So yeah. All right. Uh, well, that's it for this week. Thanks again for listening to the rules of acquisition for Wade, James, and myself. Three to beam out. Do you know the cunt weasels that run this show have a call in line where you can express your DS9 wishes and DS9 dreams into their ear holes. They will play them on air and try to be nice to you, because one day they hope to sell you Blue Apron snacks and underwear made out of Modal. The number is 917-408-3898. That number again is 917-408-3898. You will probably want to talk about how hot Dax and Bashir are. That is great. These pretentious asses also love it when people say they are wrong. So feel free to do that. James will probably go off on a knowingly obtuse rant about construction issues or political sophistication. We know you love that. Again 917-408-3898. Did you know that some Deep Space Nine podcasts have more reviews than us on iTunes? Doesn't that piss you off? Please review us on iTunes. We need to feel loved sometimes.